have three readings this morning, and the page numbers are there if you'd like to turn them up and put your finger in the ones that are coming. The first of these is on page 1001, and it's from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 16. So Matthew 28, verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The next reading is page 1094 from Acts chapter 2. chapter 2 and verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the, our, the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. The third reading is page 1132, Romans chapter 6, verse 1. Romans chapter 6 and verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, 
because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. That was God's word. Isn't it a joy to have it in front of us, to be able to look at it, study it, apply it together? Um, uh, can I just add my welcome to you if you are new or visiting amongst us? My name's Ed. I'm the pastor here. Lovely to have you with us. Catherine and Malgrie, lovely to have you with us um, this morning. What a joy. Oh, they've gone now, haven't they, to uh, Sunday Club. Um, if you could pick up your Bibles and turn back to Matthew 28, so page 1001. That's where we're going to start in a moment. Um, God has given or ordained um, two rituals that we, um, uh, we follow here. Um, baptism and the Lord's Supper. Uh, sometimes they're called ordinances, things that God has ordained or sort of sacraments, sort of sac sacred rituals. Um, there's not seven in the Bible, but two. And we're going to look at the first one, baptism, and then the Lord's Supper next week. Um, so this is sort of not normally how we uh, teach through the Bible here, but just the different for this week and next. And we're going to look at why God has given them and how we should use them. Um, so I'm going to pray for us as we begin. Let me lead us in prayer. Our great God and Father, we know that you're a God of grace, a God of undeserved giving kindness. Thank you that you give. And that all you give to us is for our good and for your glory. You've given us your son that we might know you. You've given us your word that we might know you better, understand what you want for our lives. And you've given us baptism. And we pray you'd help us to understand this gift and use it in a way that pleases you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, there's a ritual that was passed down. A ritual was passed down from my father-in-law to me, and it's now been passed on to my children. And it's called doing a Jonah. And what it involves is, is getting an inflatable boat, sticking a few people in it, and then creeping up on them when they're not watching it and turfing them into the sea and they fall out of the boat into the water and we, we call that doing a Jonah because Jonah was obviously thrown out of the boat. Now I want you to imagine that you're in a, a lovely warm uh, summer sea having a nice swim, no boats around at this point, just you enjoying your swim and then suddenly without you realizing at all your friend comes up from behind you, jumps on top of you, dunks you under the water and, and you come up and you go, what are you doing? As you're trying to catch your breath. And they go, I'm doing a baptism. What would you think? Apart from maybe I should get some different friends. Would you think you'd really been baptized? Um, this morning we're going to think about what is baptism. Uh, as we look at the Bible, we're going to see firstly the baptisms concerned with God then with the individual, and then with the church. So here's the first thing we're going to see. Baptism is a God-given sign. It's God-given. The Lord Jesus himself gave us baptism. 
It's not man's idea. It's not something that the Baptist church thought up. Um, Have a look at Matthew 28, please, and verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So he has all authority and then he delegates it. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. It's given. It's God given. Now we need to be careful. Some people think, oh, that the actual act of baptizing someone saves people or cleanses original sin. That is just plain wrong. Jesus and the Bible are so clear that salvation is not something that can be done by us. Salvation is a gift from God that is received by us as we put our trust in Jesus and in what he's done. As we put our trust in the one who came and lived the life that we could never never live, a, a life of perfect obedience and love to his Father God. And then who died to take the punishment for sin. And making disciples is telling people about Jesus. And people become disciples and are forgiven as they put their faith in Jesus. It is by faith alone. So not by faith and baptism. Um, Maybe you're here this morning and you're not someone who has yet come to Jesus. You've not put your life into Jesus' hands yet. Can I say to you, that really there are more important issues for you to think about than the act of baptism. Um, And really what is much more important is considering your relationship with Jesus. And I'd love to encourage you to have a a really good think about that. Do do you think Jesus really is the Son of God who came to be the Savior of the world? And if that is you, I'd love to help you think about that more. I could give you some things to to uh, watch or read after uh, if you come up to me. But today we'll help you because baptism is a sign of what God has done for the Christian. So, so what is it a sign of? What is this God-given sign? Well, it's a sign of what happens when you become a Christian. It shows the way into the Christian faith, if you like. So it is an outward sign of an inward reality. I don't know if you've had your breakfast this morning. Um, here's some crunchy nut cornflakes, okay? Some of you have seen me do this before. but um, There's a picture on the box. Uh, that picture, it's not going to do me any good if I eat that picture. But it is a real picture of real cereal. It's an outward picture of an inward reality. Yeah, and the reality is good. So, baptism is like this. An outward picture of an inward reality. It's an, enact, an, an enacted picture or ritual of what happens when you trust in Jesus. And actually, it's a double picture. It's a picture, on the one hand, of washing on the other hand, of dying and rising. So first of all, let's just have a think about the fact that it's a picture of dying and rising. The Bible says when you put your trust in Jesus, you're, th- this is Jesus, this is, this is me. If, when I put my trust in Jesus, 
By faith, I am joined to Jesus. I'm united to him. It's the most extraordinary, intimate, close relationship we have. Uh, it's why the Bible talks time and time again about the Christian being in Christ, or you might have heard people talk about union with Christ. Well, have a look at Romans chapter 6, page 1133, because it talks about this. So Romans chapter 6, page 1133, and I'm going to read verse 3. Or don't you know that all of us were who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Paul's using the language of baptism, of the outward um, sign, if you like, to actually talk about the inward spiritual reality here. That's what's going on. And he goes on, verse 4, We therefore have been buried with him through baptism into death in order... That just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. The Christian is united to Jesus. And so what it's saying here is that spiritually speaking, the Christian has died with Christ. So verse 4, buried with him through baptism into death. And then, spiritually speaking, raised with Christ. So verse 4 again, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. What has happened to us as we've been joined to Jesus is that we have died and we have raised a new life. And baptism is a picture of that, of dying and of rising. Now, I know many of you have seen baptisms uh, done here. If you've never seen one done here or never seen the baptism of a believer, let me just tell you what happens. There's a, there's a pool of water here normally. We lift up these floorboards. We fill up the water and hopefully heat it. Hopefully in three weeks' time when we do this, it's going to be warm. And then what happens is if, so, if someone is coming to be baptized, we put them down into the water as if they're being buried and they die. And then we bring them back up again as if they have risen to new life. Because it is a picture of dying and rising. Of dying to the old life of sin and self. And of rising to a life of knowing God. A life of forgiveness and joy. And a, a life of knowing that we'll be with God in his new world in eternity. So it's a picture of dying and rising, but it's also a picture of washing, because when this person comes up from the water, they are absolutely drenched, soaked, washed, outwardly. Acts 22, 16 says this. Actually, it'll just go up on the screen, save you turning for it, to it. Can we just put that up on the screen, please? There we go. Um, so this is uh, what Paul is told to do when he first trusts in Jesus. He's told, get up and be baptized and wash your sins away calling on his name. None of us can wash ourselves clean of our sins, no matter what we do. But if we've trusted in Jesus, he has washed us. Deep down, we are forgiven by God. And looking forward to a future where 
we will have no more sin. We'll be completely clean in his new world. And baptism is a picture, outward picture, of that inward reality for the Christian, the picture of washing. See, baptism is this wonderful, God-given picture, an enacted outward sign to show us how we are saved and to see that all, all that God has done in reality deep down in our being if we're followers of Jesus. So it's a God-given sign. Secondly, it's a believer's commitment. So as a believer says, I belong to Jesus and to Jesus' people, as a believer says that publicly. You see, although baptism is given by God, it is still something that a believer must do. So now I'd love you to turn to Acts chapter 2 with me, please. So page 1094. Page 1094, Acts chapter 2. <clears throat> I'm going to read again from verse 36. So here is Peter. He's preaching to the, the uh, crowds gathered in Jerusalem. And he, he says this, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? He's preaching in Jerusalem. And these people listening realize how much trouble they are in for how they've treated Jesus. And they say, what, what do we do? What do we do? And the answer, well, verse 38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of of your sins. He, he says repent. It means to turn around, turn away from living for yourself and sin and turn to living for Jesus and be baptized. Um, so what do they do? Well, verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Uh, four things I want us just to see from these verses about baptism. Here's the first. Baptism is for believers. So, verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptized. In other words, the outward sign is for those who already possess the inward reality. The New Testament sequence, as you see it in the New Testament, is Repent and believe, and then be baptized. Um, secondly, baptism is public. So, uh, Jesus is really clear elsewhere. Um, if you want to follow him, he says, you can't be ashamed of me. If you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. There's no such thing as a secret Christian. And here, in the city where a month and a bit before, Jesus had been put on trial, and executed. Here, these new followers of Jesus publicly get baptized. Baptism is public. 
Now, you might be thinking, I'm just too scared to get baptized. You know, Jesus loves you. And the one who loves you can give you the courage. You just need to trust him. Ask him for courage. Maybe you think, oh, I, I, do, I do need to be less ashamed and more public about my faith. Well, actually, baptism is the answer that God gives. It's the way that we are to publicly show our faith. It's the God-given way to begin to show our faith. Baptism is public. Thirdly, baptism is a commitment to Jesus. Um, this is actually the wedding suit I wore on my wedding. Um, it wasn't new when I got it. I was given it by someone, so it was secondhand. Um, I don't quite know why I still have it, but no one else seems to want to wear something like, that the, like this these days. Anyway, but when I wore this, um, I said this. I take you to be my wife, to love and to serve, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. Now, baptism... It's like that kind of formal commitment. It's turning from ourselves to Jesus and saying, I take you to be my Lord and Savior. So, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus and you've not been baptized, it's a little bit, bit, bit like a couple who are married but have never had a, a wedding ceremony, never had the formal commitment. Baptism is a commitment to Jesus. It's, fourthly, a commitment to Jesus' people. Um, have a look at verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and, and prayer. They devoted themselves together to each other and together to the Lord. As a Christian, trust in Jesus. They step out of the world into the church. And when I say the church, I don't mean a, a, a building. I mean what the Bible means when it says church, which is God's people, believers, expressed in local churches. Have you ever heard people say, you know, I don't, I don't really do church. I don't really need to go to church. And in some cases, when you chat to people, it's totally understandable why they say that. They, they've had some really bad experiences. But actually, we can't be obedient Christians and say, it's just Jesus and me. Because a disciple means it's always Jesus and me and Jesus' people. And uh, baptism is a formal way to, to show what is already true, that we belong to Jesus' people. It's a God-given way to formally join the church. And so you see, uh, verse 41, those who accepted the message were baptized or were added to their number that day. Baptism is a believer's commitment. So can I say to you, if you believe in Jesus, you know the joy of that. You're committed to him. And you've not been baptized. Well, do it. And actually, May the 14th, is when we're going to have a baptism service here, so three weeks' time. Um, that would be a great time to do it. If, you, if you're thinking about it, um, come and chat to me afterwards. I'd love to tell you how we could prepare you for that.
baptism, a God-given sign, a believer's commitment, and a church's confirmation. Do you notice who does the baptizing? So it's not the person themselves. They don't sort of go in, just dive into some water and jump back out again. So Matthew 28, Jesus says to the disciples, you go and baptize. The disciples do it. Or Acts 2, verse 41 again, those who accepted his message were baptized. The church baptizes new believers. And in doing so, those new believers, about 3,000, get added to their number that day. They're added to the church. So the church confirms that these people really do belong to Jesus. In some traditions, uh, baptism and confirmation are separated. But not in the New Testament and not here. Baptism is confirmation. As an individual says in baptism, I belong to Jesus and to Jesus' people. The church says to the individual, as the individual is baptized, you do belong to Jesus. And you are one of us, one of his people. Um, It's a little bit like getting one of these. If you can't see from the back, this is an arsenal shirt. Okay, I want you to imagine that Lionel Messi, Lionel, that's what my kids tell me I'm supposed to pronounce it. Anyway, Lionel Messi um, uh, signs for Arsenal. So he's no longer a part of PSG, he is now an Arsenal man, and he's given one of these. Well, not one of these, this is one for a 12-year-old that's uh, not a proper one, but a proper one of those, okay? And that jersey means that he's now on the Arsenal team. He belongs to Arsenal. Baptism is like being given the team jersey. Not for Arsenal, but for the King of Kings team. The church are given the authority by the king to say, yes, you really are part of his team. You're on our team, Team Jesus. Which actually is why if we're a believer and baptized, but not a church member, that doesn't make sense either, really. It's like signing for Arsenal and then never committing formally to play your part. Well, we've looked at a bit about what baptism is. A a God-given sign, a believer's commitment, a church's confirmation. I suspect there's a whole host of questions still running around your head, Um, and time is ticking. What I'm going to do is I'm going to try and answer a few uh, quickly, and therefore it'll be inadequately, so I accept that, okay? Um, What about infant baptism? Our conviction here about what the Bible teaches is that baptism is an outward sign of an inward reality of knowing Jesus truly, and so the person being baptized, as best as we can, can, can discern, should possess the inward reality. So we don't give it to someone, maybe an infant, who may or may not come to faith in Jesus in the future. Um, also, in I suppose we see that in the Bible that the New Testament church and baptism is different from the Old Testament people of God and the sign of circumcision. The New Testament is a spiritual family where everybody in the church is saved. Whereas the Um, Old Testament people of God is also a national, ethnic 
people. And only some have true faith. You might want to say, but what about those who have been baptized as infants? Well, I suppose for some, I'd love, I'd love it if you came to see that actually your infant baptism didn't count and that you should be baptized. That was my situation. And yeah, this, that can be hard, particularly hard as we go back to family members who made those decisions. And we have to gently, respectfully talk to them about it. And yet... Do it knowing that we need to do what Jesus commands. Now, for some, their infant baptism will have been done in a tradition or a way or a church that denied the gospel, that denied the gospel of faith in Jesus Christ alone. If that is so, there's just no possibility to argue that that baptism is a Christian baptism. But there are some who are clearly believers who uh, really love Jesus and who have studied the Bible seriously and have come to a different understanding on this. And say, for example, those with a Reformed covenantal position. And I've got some really close friends who I love dearly who would uh, have this understanding. I um, have really great working relationships with other ministers in the Dublin area who have this understanding. We work on, on gospel partnership together. And we've got some really dear, dear folk in our congregation who would also sit in this position. And I really have deep respect for folk. And actually, some of them are way more godly than I am in all sorts of areas. And so although as a church, we want to be clear on our convictions and what we feel um, those are and don't feel we can change them, we want to do what we can to value, love, and include these brothers and sisters who are equal citizens in God's kingdom. And that's why we have our category of associate membership. It's why we encourage such people to be involved and serve. It's why they partake fully in the Lord's Supper with us. What about children and teens? Um, if If baptism is an outward picture of an inward reality, we want to give it to those who possess the inward reality. And... Especially when it comes to children from believing families, it is hard to discern when faith has become real or owned faith. And so we want to be slow to baptize children and teens. In fact, our general sort of guideline is not before transition year. Um, By this stage, we feel that faith and witness are, are a bit more tested. Now, that doesn't mean in any way that we treat all children as if they're not Christians or we think they're not. No, actually, we encourage them. We bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. We look for fruits in your lives, teens, and we see it. And we know that you can be really significant um, partners in what we're doing here in church, really significant in, in serving the Lord. So younger teens, don't think that just because... Uh, you're not baptized, that you're not a Christian, or you're not important in church. Actually, by us delaying baptizing you, what we're helping and hopefully saying is, what we want you to understand most is that loving and following Jesus is way more important than whether or not you're baptized. Make sure that that is the first thing going on in your lives. What if I'm older? 
What if you've been a Christian a long time? Is it just too late? Well, I'd say better late than never. It's never too late to obey Jesus. For me, I trusted in Jesus, and it was 11 years later before I got baptized. It took me a while to come to this understanding of the scriptures. So never too late. You might want to say, well, why bother? Or if you have bothered, does it really make any difference? Well, yes, of course it does. Like all of God's gifts, all of God's commands, it is given for our good. What good does it do? Oh, baptism helps us obey God. It, It pleases God. Baptism identifies us. As we recall our baptism, it reminds me, yes, I do belong to Jesus. I do belong to his people. Baptism encourages us. As we think about the fact that in Jesus we have died and risen spiritually, we have been washed clean. As we think again about those realities, it encourages us to keep living for Jesus, to keep serving his people, to keep looking forward to that day when we'll be with him in his new heavens and new earth. And most of all, baptism shows us the gospel. It shows us Jesus. It's actually for Jesus' glory. It's the sign of all that we have in Jesus when we put our trust in him, of all that he's done, of the faith and commitment that he's given us, of how we really do, if we're trusting in Christ, belong to the King of Kings. So let me lead us in prayer. Almighty God, we wonder at this reality that in the Lord Jesus, through faith in him, we have been united to him. That our old life of living for sin and self has died. Our new life of living for Jesus has started. That you've forgiven us, washed us clean of our sin. As we consider these realities again this morning, would they encourage us to to fight the remnants of sin that are still in our lives, to to seek to love Jesus with all our hearts, to serve his people well. Father, we pray that if we've been baptized, that we'd be able to look back to that, and that would encourage us again in all that Jesus has done for us. And if we haven't been baptized, Father, would you help us to consider this and consider whether we need to be obedient to this command. We pray for your grace in all of this, in Jesus' name. We're going to sing of what Jesus...